This is the Double Blue Podcast on TSN 1050, the home of Argos football. And this one goes to 11. Episode 11 of the uh, Double Blue Podcast. Mike Hogan and Jeff Johnson with you here today, getting ready for Labor Day. Classic on Monday. We'll have the game on TSN 1050. Uh, It's a 6.30 kickoff and a 6 o'clock pregame show. That is Jeff Johnson. My name is Mike Hogan. And uh, Chris Anzile will drop by about midway through the broadcast and we'll talk to the Long time. 11 years in the league, 10 years with the Argonauts. Offensive lineman out of McMaster. Um, how was the week? It is going well. How are you doing? Doing okay. Just trying to recover from the Calgary game. Just, yes. uh, yeah. There were some bright spots. Obviously, the defense played well, especially in the first half. Uh, they looked exceptionally good, and then just the offense could not get it going. Yeah, you know, that defense, we just, you know, week after week, they just keep clicking. I love it. You doesn't know, matter who's in the lineup. Doesn't matter who's in the lineup. You know, Lyndon Gadosh pulled down a couple, yeah. right? Like, yeah. he, he's in there making some plays. And um, I think the good thing here from that game that you can take away, one of the big positives, is that if the offense can start to click, mm-hmm. they can win that football game. Oh, sure. Absolutely. They can win that football game. They just couldn't finish drives, you know, on second down. I think they averaged, they had around 20 plays on second down and yep. averaged around two, just over two yards per second down play. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't convert, right? When they're only getting four or five on first down, two yards on second down is not going to work. And kudos to the Calgary Stampeders because their defense yep. played excellent football uh, in second and long. Here are a couple of stats that kind of make you shake your head. Um, in the Montreal game, they had 65 yards passing on the first drive of the game yep. for the touchdown. In the first half against Calgary, they had 67 net yards offense. Ooh. That's a drive. Like, that's that, yeah. that's unusual. Uh, through three quarters, the, the starting four-pack of receivers, um, S.J. Green, you had Edwards, you have Posey, you have Fuller, the four of them combined had four catches for 32 yards. That's yeah. a drive. That's, that's, that's a bad drive. Wow. You know, that's yeah. th- that that's what they were up against on Saturday night. Kudos to Calgary, and I'm sure there's a lot of self-examination um, sure. going on as well. Well, I think the Argos, uh, their number three receiver on on the evening was uh, Declan Cross. Yeah. Right? Secret well, weapon, Declan yeah. Cross. Right, He's, awesome. This, he had 40 yards receiving. This kid is catches. becoming a cult figure in on Toronto. Fire. We were We went to Williams Landing after the Montreal win, and he had family members there. He was there. Um but there are fans now putting out one guy specifically who you would know to see yeah. um, has the I'm putting the money into getting a custom made Declan Cross game jersey. Yeah. <laughs> like this unheralded kid from McMaster who just likes to go around and hit people and blow guys up. And then all of a sudden, every once the in a hammer. while, catches the football. Yeah. And it, it, fans are loving him. And they should. I mean, he's it's. When I interviewed Tressman about about him for for a column I did on him and Jamal Campbell, um, he glowed about Declan Cross more so the person than the football player. Yeah, just saying this guy in his second year is a leader on special teams. Yeah, that there's something about that. It often translates, Hokey. Yeah, good people, good yeah. football players. So, yeah, but how, so how do you fix the passing game? Like, what did you see anything that was specifically off, or was this more on Calgary? Was this more on lack of execution from Toronto? It's a bit of both. I mean, a lot of it has to do with Calgary. They're just, a, you know what, they uh, they game plan Ricky well. They know Ricky's style. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they make him think. They make him hesitate for a second. And, you know, they don't do the same thing, right? They know that the Argos are studying the last three games mm-hmm. of their, you know, uh, from their previous weeks. And they, you know, hey, what are our tendencies? Well, now we're going to adjust them. Yeah. So, hey, Ricky's a great quarterback, and he is... Uh, probably studies the game as much as anybody does, you know, at the at the elite level in, in football. And he's ready. He game plans. He knows what to expect. But the last two times they played the Calgary Stampeders, they, they've thrown in some wrinkles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gets uh, him holding the ball a little bit. Maybe, you know, is it a combination of derailing the receivers a little bit, throwing them off their routes? Um, it, it's a bit of both, you know, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the offense just can't seem to get into a click. You know, the running game was non-existent, about 15 yards on the ground. Yeah. Right? I mean, the Stampeders' uh, defense just, uh, they came to play football. So that being said, there's a lot of it is on execution, too. The Argos can definitely be better. Mm-hmm. You know, that game against Montreal, they were lights out. The week before against Montreal, they couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, part of that was, you know, there was a different quarterback at the helm. Sure. Um, that being said, 
football is a game of execution and mm-hmm. Calgary's not reinventing the wheel every game. They're not coming in and, you know, doing, you know, man and previously running zone. There's little nuances in there. And could the Argos be better? Yeah. You know what? They, uh, looking at the stats in terms of, uh, you know, quarterback sacks, they they lead the league and sacks given up. Sure. Right? They're around 26. Mm-hmm. And that's the one stat that they're at the bottom of the pile. And that needs to get better. Ricky's getting hit. They're pulling him down. And How um, much do you see when you just, you know, I, I don't know how closely you look at uh, game film afterwards, but how much of that is on scheme? How much of that is just simply guys getting beat? Uh, there are certain teams that scheme well. Calgary does some you know, some good stunts up front, mm-hmm. and it gets the guys uh, moving and guessing a bit. Uh, one-on-one, you know, occasionally guys get beat up front one-on-one, but sure. most of the time it's from scheme, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, I think... The team has improved as the seasons progressed. There was a lot of uh, there was a, you know a lot more issues or incidents where the quarterback was getting hit. They were getting more penetration early in the season. We're starting to see a little bit less of that. Um, but ultimately, looking back at that game, they the offense just couldn't get into a flow again. Mm-hmm. That's two times against Calgary they couldn't get into a flow. So looking forward um, towards the end of the season, and uh, you know I think this is a team that has a really good shot at making a run. At, you know, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I really, I really think they do, and um, they're going to have to game plan for uh, you know the tough defenses down the stretch. Okay, compare this to 2012, um, where we saw a team that was dominant at times defensively, and even though this brand new uh, this brand new quarterback from Edmonton was in town, you struggled early on in the season, and. For me, the turning point was not the last game of the season against Regina, the second last game against Winnipeg, where it was a shootout. And I said, okay, that's a one-off on to myself. That's a one-off sure. again for the defense because they're going to be back. But now the offense finally seems to have it in gear. Um, how long did it take you as an offensive group that year to grasp the offense and be able to execute what Milanovic at the time was preaching? It didn't happen until after Labor Day. Yeah, right. It took a it took a long time, and mm-hmm. it was uh, the the offense that Milanovic brings that Tressman brings is highly detailed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts, and you know, look at the Argos receiving core. There's been a couple of injuries. Guys have been moving around. You know, Devere is back out there sure. for the first time last game. Yeah, and each time you have a change, there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period that mm-hmm. the receivers got to figure things out and you know get on that page with Ricky. So it took quite, quite, you know, it took quite some time in 2012. And once it started to click, though, like it just, it was like yeah. a jet taking off, right? And, and I mean, I think it was uh, there was that Winnipeg game, and then we went out uh, to Regina. into Saskatchewan, yeah. and you know, I think it's the pro- is the most difficult place to play in the CFL. Mm-hmm. And we were playing at a against a pretty good, you know, Rough Rider team then, and uh, we went out and handed their rear ends to them. And at that moment. We knew in the locker room, everybody, you know, all 65 guys, we knew we had the team that could do it. And it was that transition period where, you know, the week before we, we played against Winnipeg, we thought we had that game in the bag. Yeah. Going in, we underestimated them. They came in and, hand, you know, and handed our rear ends to us. And yeah. we kind of, we were looking in the mirror thinking, oh my goodness, are we just going to throw all this away? Mm-hmm. We've got a really good team here and we better fix this fast. Mm-hmm. One week switch. Fixed it, and it, there was no looking back after that transition yeah, period. Thirty-one points in the second quarter against Edmonton in the playoff game. Like, come on, seriously? Yeah. Seven of that was on a on an Owens punt return, but other than that, it was like, wow. Um, and that was physical. I mean, the big thing there was how physical we were, right? Mm-hmm. And even, sure, the offense has to click, mm-hmm. but a lot of that is about getting on the same page and coming out and believing and and deciding that. You know, each individual guy is deciding that he's going to physically dominate the person across from them. Mm-hmm. And that's getting back to basics and fundamentals. But that's what football is. Mm-hmm. It's about a one-on-one battle, 12 guys every single play, beating the person across from them every time. Do right? it 60 times a game. Instilling your will mm-hmm. on somebody else mm-hmm. and doing it all game. You're going to lose some. But, you know, can you come out on the positive end of that? And, um, you know, when that starts to go... I mean, uh, you know, looking at uh, last game against Calgary, I think Calgary's defensive line physically dominated our offensive line a little bit. They mm-hmm. pushed them around, and our offense couldn't get going. There was no run game, and they, you know, they were pressuring Ricky a little bit, and it, it just affected the flow of the yeah. offense. You know, and you look the week pre- the pre- uh, earlier against Montreal, where the offensive line was dominating. Sure. They were getting off the ball. There was a running game. There was a passing game. It was, you know, things were clicking, right? Yep. And uh, so much is won and lost in those trenches, and I think Calgary uh, won that battle, at least against the Argos' offense. On the flip side, I think the Argo defense, you know, their D-line 
has been dominating yeah. the whole year. I think they've they've won that battle. Um, but when you take a ca- game, a team like Calgary, they're not going to let you beat them all game mm-hmm. in the trenches. They're gonna they're gonna find a way to compete and and to make some plays. And eventually they did. Messam started to get some runs and you know yeah. broke out a bit and. Bolivai started to move the ball, and uh, they completed a couple big plays and scored some points. And to shut that offense down as long and shut them out as long as they did, you know, they had the seven nothing lead on the uh, on the pick six. Well, and, that was an uh, incredible play by Cassius. Yeah, you know, he ran just, that route for Mar- for Marquis McDaniel, Marquis yeah. McDaniel. That and, was an outstanding play. But just like the one the week before against uh, Montreal, yes. right, where he where he basically read the play, <laughs> knew what was coming. Yes, that's where the film work comes out. And, yes, and and you can tell that uh, Cassius Vaughn. Has done his homework, and uh, boy, you think he's going to be a little pumped up for uh, for the Labor Day game? Just he and tad. most of that, most of that secondary. Come on, just That's, a tad. He will be fired up. Yeah, you know, Johnny Sue. Hopefully, will be back uh, for the game, and then you've got uh, Rico Murray and all of those yeah. cat ties. Um, somebody who knows uh, the Hamilton market all too well because he played at McMaster is Chris Van Zyl. He's yes. going to join us when we come back. Uh, That's Jeff Johnson. I'm Mike Hogan. You are listening to the Double Blue Podcast. Now, more of the Double Blue Podcast. And welcome back to the Double Blue Podcast. Mike Hogan with you. Jeff Johnson has stepped out of the room momentarily, and I get to the one-on-one with Mr. Chris Van Zyl, offensive lineman extraordinaire. What's up, Van Zilla? Oh, not too much. Just uh, relaxing right now. Got there a couple go. ice packs on, and uh, <laughs> How's full uh, recovery, and uh, not only that, but ramping up, getting... Watching a little bit of film, you know. How uh, how is the body at this stage of the season? Uh, it's felt better, but it's also felt worse. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. Here's the most important question you are going to answer over the course of this conversation. Are you yeah. from Font Hill or Welland? I'm from Font Hill, Ontario. Now, is that a is that a big rivalry with the sort of suburban Welland and the downtown crew? No, I don't believe there's any kind of rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> if you're from if you're from Font Hill, you don't say you're from Wellam. What is the population <laughs> of Font Hill? Oh, I like eight. Checked. I don't think it's grown too much, but it was it's pretty small. <laughs> Could you walk to Notre Dame from there? Oh no, no? Uh, Notre Dame was on the uh, just about uh, what we call the east side of Welland. Ah, oh, so it okay. was kind of on the fringe between the east and the west side of of Welland, and. Uh, yeah, it was still on the west side, so probably, uh, if driving, probably about 10 minutes from my house, 10 to okay. 15 minutes. Okay, gotcha. At, at what point, when you were a kid, did you realize that you were a little bit bigger than everybody else? Did you have a growth spurt, or were you, uh, like, right from birth, essentially bigger than everybody else? <laughs> it's funny, because everybody has different recollections. I I seem to remember in elementary school being, like, one of the smaller kids. Really? But... Um, I've been told that I've I was never really that small. <laughs> okay. I um yeah, I I don't know. I uh, I had definitely had a couple growth spurts. Um one being in high school, I, I think I grew of uh, I don't know. I was probably close to about 6 inches in a year. Ooh. That was that was a tough year. How was the coordination that way? It was I was like a newborn baby deer. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, just I went through a little bit of one of those as well, and like forget trying to dribble a basketball. It was just awful. Oh yeah, yeah. So, Even running like legs all over the place, like it was it was rough. So when did you start playing football in high school, or was there a program uh, in your area before that? I started in high school. Uh, up until that point, I had played hockey and almost every other sport. Um, I've, I played baseball, tennis, uh, soccer. And then uh, when I got to high school, I'd always watched um, high school, or not high school, university football games. I'd always watched the Notre Dame with my father um, growing up. So I always had like a, I always had that passion for it. I always thought that I would would love to play. And then the first year I got in, I was was one of the smaller guys on the team. (laughs) And I got beat around pretty good. At the end of the year, I kind of questioned whether or not I, I even wanted to play because I didn't play very much. And uh, it wasn't until, like, I think it was the last game of the year, they put me in at defensive end. Mm-hmm. And I ran around. On the first play I was in, I ran around uh, whoever was playing tackle. I, I have no recollection of who that might have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, got my first sack. So um, did, did the light bulb go off at that stage? That, <laughs> you know what? This is fun. 
<laughs> I like hitting people. No, you know what? It, it was still, it was a pretty tough year, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it was, it was still pretty tough for me. Like I was looking forward to the next season, but only because I was hoping that it was better than the previous one, that one that I had just endured. So, so was um, it the second year where things started to come together for you? It's actually pretty funny because that next year I went in and the teachers um, had work to rule. Okay. So I there was no football. There was no post. Uh, like there was no extracurricular activities whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, I said, you know what, I want to do something. So I went back to hockey for the year, and I, I joined a house league hockey team um, in Pelham, and mm-hmm. uh, I played um, house league hockey. I got called up to the double A team, which I had played travel hockey for. I don't know as long as I could remember before that. So I, I got called up a couple of times and played some, some stuff, some games, a couple more, a little more competitive. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a nice year. I kind of found my athleticism and, uh, yeah, the next year I, I came in, I played soccer also in that summer, the, the following summer. And I don't know, I came back to football in in grade 11 and uh, that's when I think the light bulbs really started to go off for me. Did you play both sides of the lo- of the line there, or just D line? Uh, well, in that grade eleven year, I played both sides. I played middle linebacker, and I also played. Uh, I think I was a little bit of running back, even. Nice. Yeah, so I ran the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any yeah. video? Can we see that, please? Well, I think that was that was the line, my last year of junior. I believe was grade 11. Um, and I went back to junior because I didn't have that grade 10, uh, that second year of experience. And my grade nine was horrible. So mm-hmm. I really didn't even know how to gauge myself, but I found my athleticism, like I said, in grade 10, uh, playing two different sports. Gotcha. And then I came back the next year and like, yeah, I, I all of a sudden found leverage. Like, Oh, if I get underneath, <laughs> I can move them. And, you know, stuff like that, like things you wouldn't, like normally think about yeah uh for for any kind of athlete being able to bend at the hips and get a little lower and and deliver a blow and and those kind of things so um yeah linebacker and like me playing in junior like i had grown quite a bit already so i was i think i was about six four six five at that time Mm -hmm. i wasn't completely done growing but um i had found the weight room i was lifting and, and that was kind of the light bulb year i came out i was i was hitting people and hit people really hard yeah and like yeah so, everything just started to click for me so you know what the the recruiting process like and, and if you have any ability at all in high school in this country or south of the border even more so uh, f- people are going to find you you obviously would have had more than well maybe not obviously but i assume you had more than one offer why did you decide on mac um <laughs> Yeah, as I recall, um, I yeah I had been talking to numerous schools, and um, I played uh, in the uh, I think it was the World Junior Championships mm-hmm. in uh, Louisiana. So I had gone down there and played and met this guy named Nick Binder, okay. who um, he's a great player down there. Um, guy I played beside and, and whatnot, and um, ooh, yeah. So I had done all these trips and visited all these universities, and one night I get this call, and uh, I had already kind of—I don't know if I—if you can say verbally committed, because at that time there weren't like scholarships or anything. Sure. But I had kind of verbally committed to Western. Um, so this one day he calls me up and he's like, "So uh, what's your plan?" And I'm like, "I've, I've talked to Western and." talked to Mac and I've talked to some of these schools, but I've basically narrowed it down to Mac and Western. And he's like, well, I'm going to go to Mac. And I said, well, um, yeah, I guess I'll go to Mac too. <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> and honestly, like, uh, we, in that same conversation, we discussed getting rooms on the quiet floor in residence and all, the, all these different things. So and it, it was, was done. Like, it was probably the funniest conversation. Like, I mean, I, I had familiarity instantly. Yeah. Um, I had had great experiences with 
uh, both universities, but uh, Max Mac was still a little nicer because it was closer to home for me. Yeah, and, um, yeah I don't know. So, I met Ted Gavaya, who's uh, who's still a friend today. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy. He's with the Winnipeg yeah. Bombers, and uh, he was the guy who recruited me and uh, brought me to Mac. And yeah. So you, story short. with 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 Mac, uh, you had some really good athletes there. Um, you made it to the Eights Cup final once. Um, yeah. What do you remember about that day at Laurier? Oh. Um. I remember losing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm, as a freshman, though, you must have thought, you know what? We're going to be back. Okay, we lost to the Hawks. Big deal. We'll be back for the next three years. And it just sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was a great team at that point in time, and yeah. they were playing. A, I mean, we were a great team too, but they they played, and their systems were. Yeah, it just seemed like um, I don't want to say how coach, but like they they played very well as a team. Well, Steph Patasic on the offensive side, and Rondé yeah. Markirk and Gary Jeffries. I mean, they had a great staff. A great staff, and I give them all the credit in the world. They uh, they executed, and um, when you have two great teams, I mean, the one who executes better on that given day is is going to be the team that wins. And yeah, did did you realize you were going to go to the CFL, or did it take you know the not as an all OUA player, second team all Canadian to 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 realize you know what this is okay, this is really starting to get real now. Yeah, you know what? Like every step of the way, it's kind of been a surprise for me to get to the next level. Okay. I've always been—I've uh, always tried to be humble and and believe that um, hard work kind of takes care of itself. I've always been kind of a grinder, um, and uh, yeah, it's—I'm it, honored, and I, I've always been very honored to make it to the next level. And and when I do make it to the next level, I. I don't know if I like I, I worked my butt off to, to fit in, and mm-hmm. then um, it, yeah, it took me a little longer in the CFL just because of yeah I was a D lineman yeah. converting to become an offensive lineman. Did they do that yeah. early in Montreal, or did that come sort of mid season or at some point they said you know what maybe it's not going to work out for him on the D line let's flip him over? I you know what it's it's actually pretty funny. Um, when I first got drafted, I had asked if, if because I had talked to Andrew Jones, and Andrew Jones, they immediately told him that they were going to be moving him to offensive line. And Andrew, another kid from Mac, who was a dominant defensive player. Exactly, and uh, that's that's basically how they introduced the fact that he was going to the BC Lions, mm-hmm. and they had had that conversation already. And and so I was on the phone with Jim Pop, and I'm like, "Do you have any interest in moving me to the offensive line?" And I've, one of my friends has already kind of gone down that path. And, um, he's like, no, we, we completely in like, we're hoping you stay as a defensive lineman. I was like, okay. And part of me was relieved because I didn't have to go through the whole process of converting over to become an offensive sure. lineman. Yeah. And, uh, so I went to camp the first camp. I, uh, I think it was having a pretty good camp. I mean, by my standards anyways, um, I thought I was having a pretty good camp and then I hurt my MCL and uh, hurting my MCL, I ended up missing, I think that was, I don't know how many days I was in, but I missed the remainder of camp. And at the end of camp, they sent me back to Mac for the year. And then after the season, they brought me back. And, um, yeah, when I got back, I even then I was still taking reps as like a PR guy that uh, was on the defensive line. So, I mean – the next year was it wasn't until the next year in training camp that uh coach Tressman, I believe it was uh it was about halfway through camp or um yeah, something like that. I think it was halfway through camp or yeah. Anyways he came up to me and he approached me and he's like, You ever thought about playing offensive line? Uh and I said <laughs> honestly, I'm like, No, I mean I had thought about it but like I had always been told I was going to be a defensive lineman. So that was kind of the situation. He's like, how about you go take some reps with the offensive lineman today? I was like, okay, perfect. I'll head down there. So I was the only guy, I think, I can't remember what color Jersey I was wearing, but I was the only guy with a defensive Jersey on taking (laughs) reps against the defensive lineman. (laughs) And uh, it was pretty funny. 
Um, my first reps were against Anwar Stewart. Oh, good. Welcome, yeah, kid. So, yeah, it was, um, and I really, honestly had I I was basically mimicking mimicking exactly what uh, what I had seen offensive linemen do for years. Mm-hmm. So I get in my two point stance and I kick back, and I think it was the first time I I got him pretty good, and I just got my hands in and sat down. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, that was my first rep, and then the second rep I I punched and uh, I caught him pretty good, and everybody was there's you got your moans and groans and like oh wow this guy might actually be able to play off on the line, but those were only two reps and <laughs> I I was super aggressive I had no technique yeah and, you know but the right I, mentality yeah. And I've always kind of been that attack first sure. offensive lineman. I've always played with a little bit more of an edge than maybe some other offensive linemen do. Um, and I attribute that to the years that I played as a defensive lineman where I've, I just hit people, you know? There's... Sure. And you kind of think of things from the other side of the ball, like Armani Edwards having played quarterback makes it yeah. easier because he understands the concepts from the quarterback's point of view. So at Montreal, they end up releasing you. You end up signing with the Argos. Uh, why did yeah. you decide to uh, to come not only close to home, not quite as close to home as you could have, but why did you decide yeah. in Toronto? Um, I had a I had a great relationship with Miles Garrell. Yeah. Um, he had been kind of um, not so much in contact with me, but we've we had a great relationship even when I was still at Mac. Like he would show up to practices and mm-hmm. hang out and and just talk like you would talk to me like a normal human being not like um a piece of meat that you know they're interested in having on their football team you yeah. know it was it was just we had a great relationship and and we still do like i still thank him for everything he's done for me like um every time i see him when we go to ottawa now um every time i see him it's it's a big hug and yeah. thank you and we catch up and good it's really nice but um yeah he had uh I had been released, and he had given me a call almost as soon as he had heard of my release. He had given me a call and uh, said, "Hey, uh, I can't make any promises, but we have a spot on our practice roster now uh, that we can make available for you." And um, at that time, it was uh, it was a no brainer for me. You had uh, an opportunity to, to to get your feet wet in Toronto. Uh, Labor Day Classic comes along. You're a, a Hamilton kid, a Hamilton area kid, I guess, a little closer than Toronto anyway, from the yeah. peninsula, the MAC background. So you get to play in 2010, and yeah. you make a memorable catch for two different reasons. Oh, <laughs> it's it's actually pretty funny. Uh-huh. My first ever start was, or not start, but uh, the game, first ever game I dressed was a Labor Day Classic. Oh, cool. I didn't realize My that. F- First ever catch yeah. was first ever. How many do you have in your career? Uh, one. Okay, so your first ever was your <laughs> catch. Most painful experience of my life. <laughs> Why? So I the ball, and, and you know what? I can I can run it back. It's so vivid in my mind. It's crazy. Uh-huh. I can run it. So, <laughs> Jamie Elizondo, uh, I believe it was Jamie. Yeah, it was Jamie. Um, says, okay, we're going to run this play where. This, the line slides right. Uh, we're going to move you and make you eligible on the left side. We're going to slide the line right, have you go out of the back, uh, slide out into the flats. Um, you're going to pretend to chip the end. You're going to slide out into the flats. You're going to catch the ball, and you're going to head to the sidelines and get there as quick as possible. So I did all that. Uh-huh. And But the whole plan was to have this, I think, around the 10. And me getting a catch and end up ending up in the end zone. Yeah. Well, we called it on the 30. <laughs> so I catch the ball. I'm running downfield. And me being, I always figured myself for somewhat of an athlete. Sure. I figure, okay, I see one defender come and I kind of avoid him. But the second one is Jason Sh- uh, Shivers. <laughs> and he clips my foot. And all I remember thinking is, this is not going to end well. I'm up in the air, <laughs> legs flying. And I remember hitting the ground, completely winded. I am like, okay, I am in a lot of pain right now. Uh-huh. I get up, take like two steps, 
and my I think it was my right no it was my left leg my left leg is going numb because I guess there's swelling in the joint oh boy the SI joint yeah so my left leg is going numb and so the first feeling was like numb uh, this this very dull pain and then it was like sharp shooting pain and um that was one of the most painful nights and I've had hernia surgery it was mm-hmm. one of the most painful nights I've like I remember being in a uh being transported around in a minivan uh being at the hospital checking to see if they if I had broken my hip yeah and um going through all that stuff um then being so my in-laws had taken a uh the seats out of the van and <laughs> I was being rolled around the floor. Yeah, it was like Oh, the, I didn't know that part of the story. That's outstanding. Yeah, it was it was incredibly <laughs> it was a horrible night altogether getting uh pills to like like take take care of the pain a little bit. Did and, you uh, did you uh, keep the ball? I honestly no, I don't think I did. Like, I don't know what happened to that ball. It might be deflated because I might have landed on it. Oh, that's true. A good it. point. Happier <laughs> memory. Uh, twenty twelve, playing at home, playing in the Grey Cup. What's your most yeah. vivid memory of that evening? Oh, you know, I've been asked that a couple times, and I honestly remember running out of the tunnel and the chills, um, running out of that tunnel and hearing. The stands. I had never run out of a tunnel. Like, I mean, I'm not from an NCAA school or anything like yeah. that. That was the loudest I've ever heard a stadium in my life. Mm-hmm. I ran out of there, and it felt like there were two big fans on either side just blowing air down on onto nice. the field, and it was probably one of the most incredible experiences. Um, so, yeah, second to winning the Grey Cup and. Um, yeah, that's, it, was, it was pretty special. Um, before we go, there's one thing I do have to ask. If, if, if the most important question was about you being from well under Font Hill, um, yeah. the most fun question is I want to ask you about the art of trash talking. Yeah. Um, you have you have been on uh, CFL Wired, and I don't yeah. know how much of it made it to air. Probably <laughs> not much. What's the key to being a good trash talker? I don't know. I, I never really pre- – I'm not really – and before I even say that, before the words come out, I've never tried to trash talk. I've always kind of said what's on my mind. And um, sometimes it's 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 nice. Sometimes it's evil. It, You know what? It's, it's just that competitive edge. And half the stuff I say on the field, I, I don't mean. <laughs> oh, well, of course. I, I mean, I you're just trying you're trying to get that you know, psychological advantage, right? Yeah, and I'm not trying to hurt feelings or anything like that. How many times um, have you said something that you've regretted afterwards? Oh, Hoagie. Constantly? I, like a lot? Yeah, but at least <laughs> maybe like, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. I mean... I uh, probably from that wired game. There's there's probably one instance or two instances. And that's you know, just it, one. That's just one game. Yeah, any given game. There's yeah. there's probably one. There's there might be one instance where I'm like I might have gone a little too far. Who uh? That's who, mean. <laughs> who do you enjoy on the other side? Because you know they're going to be mouthy too. Who yeah. do you always look forward to saying? You know what? This is going to be tough on the field, but this guy's going to make me laugh a couple of times. Uh. I don't know. I I always enjoyed battling Justin Hickman. Okay. That was probably one of my uh my all-time favorites. And and it wasn't so much for the so much the uh, trash talk but the respect that we had for each other. Oh, okay. And um as far as like trash talk, I, I don't know. I don't really try and get in one-on-one heated verbal altercations with people it's, without without trying though do you know that at some point you've worn a guy down or hit him in a spot and it's thrown him off <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah when he's chasing when he's chasing you around after the game because uh, you said something or did something to him or you just beat him up all game you know you've you've struck a chord and uh, how often does that happen oh that's happened at, that's happened once at least this year <laughs> 
Do you want to give up the guy? No. I, okay. I'd rather... <laughs> Damn, just I'd when I thought you were rather... fun. What's that? Damn, just when I thought you were a fun guy, you're not going to give him up. No, I, you know what? I'd... Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather not. It's... That's That's fair. Um, if, if for whatever reason he decides to listen to this podcast, and, <laughs> and he'll figure it out. But uh, oh, you know somebody would tell him at some point. Either way, yeah. um, how many tickets yeah. do you have to buy for uh, for Monday night? Um, right now, as it stands, I'm at twelve. I'm looking to get sixteen. Ooh, well, if yeah. anybody has tickets, you have time to contact <laughs> Chris Fanzile. Hey, pal, thanks for doing this. This was, this was a lot of fun. Uh, some good memories in there and uh, learning some stuff I didn't know about you. So that's cool. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you very much for having me, Mike. I that's, appreciate it. That's Chris Fanzile. JJ returns as we continue with the Double Blue Podcast. Now, more of the Double Blue Podcast. That's Jeff Johnson. I'm Mike Hilton. That was Chris Fanzile talking about trash talk. Yeah. <laughs> that's... that's <laughs> That's hey, Vanzilla. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Love Chris Vanzilla. Yeah. He is one of the most physical and physically dominant yes. players on the football field. And him and Kyrie Zaber a couple of weeks ago went head to head. We were, you know, we were yeah. watching that in the game. And I saw him after the game and I said, hey, what was going on? Mm-hmm. And he said, did you see that? And I said, yeah, I was loving it. He's like, well, Kyrie's had probably the longest night of his life. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, how closely did you watch? <laughs> And uh, Chris put Kyrie's, who is a very physical linebacker, yes. very tough yeah. physical linebacker, comes hard off the ball. Mm-hmm. Chris had him on his backside a lot of a lot of the night, and, and it, it, it threw Kyrie's off his game. Yeah, right. And that's and that's what it's about. There's other guys that used to do stuff like that. Adriano Belli was a master at doing sure. that, trash talk. Get in the guy's kitchen, but doing it effectively, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe there was some physical uh, things that might have been, you know, not quite acceptable with the referees. Yeah, <laughs> one or two things. Some, sometimes you play to the edge. Sometimes you yes, rub out yes. the line and you jump over it and you draw another line. And in a minute, we're going to see some of this and we'll talk about some of that in the Labor Day Classic coming mm-hmm. up. But but Chris uh, is very good at, at keeping it within the the limits, mm-hmm. you know, verbally and uh, and physically. I think you know sometimes there's some flags occasionally, but uh, I love his style of football and. Um, the Argos are very fortunate to have him on that offensive line. I was talking to an offensive line coach last year from another team, and he said Chris Van Zyl is the best right tackle in the CFL, and it's not close. Yeah. He said it's just not close. So has he had, uh, like everybody else on the line, had the off play? Sure, but, you know, you live in space. Your mistakes are magnified. No question they are. You've got to be a very great athlete out in that open space. But, you know, i got a kind of a neat story from 2012. We're playing against, uh, I believe it was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and we get our rear ends handed to us. Uh, they take a missed field goal back to the house. Mm-hmm. Following week, we're coming out, playing against Hamilton Tiger Cats. Mm-hmm. And during that prep time, you know, that week, the coach is talking about, uh, you know, Coach O'Shea says, listen, guys, look at our, 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 you know, coverage was terrible. We need to get down the field after a missed field goal. Anytime there's a field goal kick, you got to get down the field and cover. Everybody's got to be in their lanes, mm-hmm. disciplined. That game comes up, or the next game comes up against the Ticats. We kick the field goal, miss the field goal. Returner catches the ball in the back of the end zone. And there's this fantastic play made right around the goal line. The returner's trying to come out, I remember out, right? this. This was at the Rogers Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yes. the Rogers Center. Returner's trying to go, yes. for, go for the show. And all of a sudden, this guy comes flying in, takes him down. It's the first guy downfield, right? Yes. So we're watching film later. As Van Zyl. It was Chris Van Zyl. Yes. I remember <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. You as soon as you started the story, I'm going, where is this going? Yeah. And then I can remember. It was on the near side of the field, it was the opposite side of the bench, uh, away from the jumbotron. I re- oh, vividly remember. Six six, oh. three hundred and five pounds of speed, right? Like yeah. <laughs> and twenty pounds of beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. It was amazing. He laid out, he did textbook tackle, swiped the yes. returner's legs right out from underneath him. Our meeting room went up in a roar and everybody was just going nuts. So, I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. All, all Canadian D linemen, don't forget it, McMaster. That's right. Um, uh, the couple of games here coming up. The next home game for the Argos is Saturday, September the 16th against Edmonton. That's a 4 p.m. game. Uh, the last home game, the vibe was incredible for the Saturday afternoon game against Montreal. So if you haven't checked out a game, this might be a pretty good one to go to because uh, hopefully the weather is spectacular and the Saturday 4 p.m. thing seems to work because you can do whatever you want. You you know, for if you're a millennial and want to do as a, pre, a pre-drink, yeah, you know, go and do that. If you just want to take the kids down, you can do that. 
Uh, if you just want to check out a great football atmosphere, do that. And then uh, whatever you need to do downtown on the Saturday night, uh, go to a show, go to a dinner, whatever it, whatever it takes, or come and party with us afterwards. Couldn't be any easier with the oh. kids. You just jump on the GO train, they oh. walk off, you Piece walk into cake. the stadium. Um, and also uh, coming up, oh, I don't know, Hamilton, I think, this week. Is, am I correct with that? Oh, my goodness. They've... Uh, Oh, before we get to the Hamilton game, yep. uh, you have some statistics that you have broken down. You wanted to share. Well, I just wanted, you know, what it's the it's kind of the midpoint yeah. time of the season, right? And it I all think, starts uh, after Labor Day. It all starts after Labor Day, and the Argos are in a bit of a situation I don't think they've been in for several years, which is and not just uh, where they are in first place, mm-hmm. right? Okay, kind of battling for first, second. Even though they struggled for the last couple of years, they were always kind of competing. Yeah. Right in the East because the East maybe wasn't the strongest statistically or at least in the standings, um, but this year they're leading the league in several categories, offensively and defensively, which mm-hmm. is pretty exciting. Right, they're leading the league in passing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just Ricky Ray alone, but combined with all of the passing that's been going on there. Despite the game on Saturday and despite the game in Montreal two weeks ago, we're talking like thirty five hundred yards of passing, yeah. thirty four hundred yards of passing already. That's incredible. Yeah. Right. So leading the league in in in, in passing, you've got you know S J Green. That's number two in receiving. Just right at 900 yards, mm-hmm. receiving yards at the halfway point. 900. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's exciting. You know, five touchdowns. He's up there at the top of the sets. Ricky's touchdown passes are, you know, 14 or so, which is he's second or third yeah. in the league. Um, and if he if prorated, that would be obviously 1,800, and that would put him third all-time on the Argo single-season list. As Terry, Terry Greer had 2,003, and Mookie had 2,000. I believe those those are the the record. Those numbers. are big numbers, Hulk. Oh, those are huge numbers. Eighteen hundred yards time, potentially? Are you kidding? That's unbelievable. Yeah. Right. So I mean, that that's exciting stuff to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball. You got a couple linebackers that are at the top of the league in tackles, and Bear Woods is at fifty nine. You got Marcus Ball also at forty three. They're wow. flying all over the place, yeah. making plays. Yeah. Right. And that's it. That's kind of in the in the middle pack, front seven. But that, look at your D line, destroying the league in sacks at thirty two. They have not right. led the league in sacks since 1997. 1997. 20 years, they won the Grey Cup that year. That's incredible. Yeah. That's Everybody it. talks about the Flutie aspect of that team. Right. Defense on that team was thoroughly overlooked. They were oh. awesome, that, as well as Flutie was. Dominance across the board. Yeah. You know, that's a beautiful thing. That's almost like artwork mm-hmm. when it comes when it happens like that. And then they had a pretty good special teams, too. That was all right. <laughs> but, all right. you know, on the sack front, Calgary St. Peters have given up 12 sacks all season. Eight of those have been to the Toronto Argonauts. Six in one game. Right. The game here a month ago. Right. Yeah. Twelve and eight against Toronto. I mean, that just tells you the kind of rush that the Argos are putting. And that's not with the same group of four. They've had a rotation there. They're down three of their front of their starting four, right? And have been for quite a long period of time now. Yeah, no, it's it's that's very impressive. And I mean, the the sack leader still in the CFL is Victor Butler, who played four and a half games. Who hasn't been there? He played four and a half games. He played a quarter of the season, and he's leading the league in sacks. Yeah, unreal. And you got Sean Lemon and Gadosh with two last week, and Jeff Finley. You know, Finley win guys are just making plays all over the place, right? Fun group to watch. Davis, yeah, no, there. It is an exciting group, and um, you know, and you got Martise Jackson. The return game, I think, is revived in Toronto as well. He seems to be getting. He's a little more consistent now. He hasn't had the big one since uh, Winnipeg. Yeah, Um, had a decent one against Montreal. Um, He seems to be a little more. I I don't have the numbers to back this up. This is all anecdotal, but he seems to be getting more positive yardage more often. Yes, as opposed to wondering, okay, I caught the ball. Now what do I do? Right. Which, you know, brand new league. A lot of guys can get caught in that vortex. A lot of guys can get caught in that vortex, especially after a big one, big one. You know, when they start thinking, oh, I got to do it every time. No, you don't. Just get the ball, go north. And you know what? Get 15 yards and occasionally going to break one. That's right. And you don't have the numbers in front of you, but he's third in the league in punt returns and third in the league in kickoff returns. Really? He's over 1,000 yards between the two of them. So he's got 401 punt return and he's got 701 kick return. Martin Jackson. Yeah. Who didn't start the year as a returner. That's right. He's got some solid yards. I had no idea. That's, That's surprising. And then on the negative side, the only stat that they're leading the league on the you know is, is sacks allowed. Sacks allowed. You know, so uh, otherwise uh, they're doing pretty good. And then I think the uh, one key stat though that can be problematic down the stretch is that they're actually second last in turnovers. Mm-hmm. They've given up 18 turnovers. Hamilton's the only team that's uh, worse than that, I believe. And the turnover stat, as you know, is very very vital to winning football games. Yeah. Right, and the fact that they're second last in the turnover stat, and actually, you know, are the record that yeah. they have four and five, 
is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So um, they, it's, it's almost to the point now where I just say throw out the clock or sorry throw out the scoreboard, play for sixty minutes, and the team that turns the ball over the fewest times wins the football that's game. That's right because it's almost hand in hand. That's right, and you know what turnovers are going to be a massive component of the game that we're about to talk about right mm-hmm. now, right? Because this this uh, Labor Day Classic can get dirty. It always does. Sure. And turnovers, the ball's going to be put on the ground because, you know, there's going to be shots taken all over the place. People are swiping at the ball. Yep. And uh, I think the winner of this game is going to have to be on the positive end of the turnovers. Well, and as you know, having played in it, uh, it doesn't matter whether your record is Owen Wilson or whatever it is, like the Ticats are right now. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter. Throw it out. No. It's likewise, if the Argos were 0-8 and the Ticats were in first place, it doesn't matter. Just throw it out. Just the, These two teams don't like each other. The record veterans, doesn't matter. The veterans know about it. The Hamilton crowd that goes out is different than the usual Hamilton crowd, right? Yeah. They just a lot of them don't really pay attention during the regular season, but they nope. know it's a party to go to the Labor Day Classic. They'll recognize some players, some players they won't. The diehards really get into it because mm-hmm. this year, this is their Grey Cup. Don't forget that they're not going to the playoffs this year. No, this is their Grey Cup. For many many fans, the season will be salvaged by them winning on Monday afternoon. Well, there's, evening. there's many many reasons why the, this team really wants to win this game. You know, there's been some issues happening there recently in Hamilton. Really? Right? Yeah, a couple, couple challenges. Tough, right? tough week. Tough, tough, tough week. week. How, sorry, before you finish that, yeah. as a player, with all of the stuff going on, with, yeah. with, with the Bryles hiring and firing, with the, with, the, uh, with the Manziel story, how distracting does that get inside the room? It can be a distraction if you allow it to, mm-hmm. right? And uh, with the challenges they've had in Hamilton, I would question the chemistry and the leadership in the locker room. I don't know sure. whether it's there or not. Um, but it's a great opportunity to try and dial that group in. Mm-hmm. You know, with a new new coach leading the charge, if he can get in that locker room and, and, and get, get buy-in from the leaders in that locker room and get them to focus on what they need to focus on this week, this could be a huge this game could be a, a massive, have a massive impact on that organization right now, just because they're at the like literally at the bottom of the bottom, right? Yeah. Just you know, zero and eight standings, all of the statistics, they are at the bottom, right? And then obviously all field challenges, it, it really can't get any worse. So it's like, all right, hey, all of that crap is behind us. Mm-hmm. The only thing we can do right now is win a football game, and our city. Yep. Wants us to win one football game, and this is the most important football game to this city, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, is this Labor Day Classic. Win one for the coach, win one for Jeremiah Masoli, who yes. uh, Masoli was going to be uh, starting the game. So, right there, there are there are a million There's ways, so many factors that you. There are so many ways you can fire up this football team if you, if you're internally in Hamilton. So, and that's what makes me scared mm-hmm. from the Argos perspective. Mm-hmm. That. If that locker room doesn't understand the magnitude of how that team can come out and how hungry they could be, this is their this on is Labor their Day. season. This is their season, and this is a lot of jobs, mm-hmm. a lot of jobs. Uh, you know, players, coaches. I think a lot of jobs. And if you're going to hold off Montreal, and if you're going to hold off Ottawa, you need to win the games against Hamilton. Period. Full stop. Yes. You can't let these two points get away. This is. I don't want to say this is a playoff game. But if you miss the playoffs by a couple of points, and you look back at the season and go, "Oh man, what happened on Labor Day?" Yeah, that could it could be a killer. This is a huge game. I hate the "Oh man, what happened on Labor Day?" You know, because oh, sure. you always remember that game. Yeah, whether you win or lose, you re- always remember that game. And uh, you, you know, the Argos locker room has to make sure that they don't look at that record that the Ticats have. They don't look at it and say, "You know what? This team is as good as anybody right now." They need to go out and hammer them, hammer them. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a dogfight. And I've used that phrase a couple of times, but it will be a dogfight. There's mm-hmm. going to be kicking and scratching and punching. That's going to happen on the field. That's yeah. going to happen in the stands, too. Uh, sadly, but right. it will happen. Yeah, it will. You know, and uh, you know, occasionally helmets get thrown into the stands. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Stuff yeah. happens. Bodies are flying down. Like, it's just, it gets, it gets really exciting. It gets really amped up. It's an awesome game to be a part of because yes. of the energy yeah. as a player and even as a fan. It can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, Again, records out the window, but uh, teams are going to, you know, the Argos are going to have to get something going. They're going to, again, there's going to be lots of penalties, and I'm sure there's going to be some turnovers. So the teams that can manage that the best should come out. When I look at Hamilton, they've struggled in the secondary. When I look at the Argos, when they're at their best, they're going vertical. Yeah. Can we see this being the Air Ricky show on Monday? If I'm Pressman, I'm looking at any possibility when I'm scripting my first 15 or first 20 or whatever they do. 
um, I'm I'm probably going to be a little more aggressive than I normally would be. It's high risk, high reward, but I don't think the risk is as high to do this against Hamilton as it would be to do this against Calgary. Sure. Well, I think that's a good approach, but you need to have a good game plan for Hamilton's defensive uh, possible uh, the possibility that their defense is going to come out and try to physically dominate the Argos' offense. Right? They're going to mm-hmm. try to be super physical. Sure. I mean, how are they going to win the game? They need their defense needs to create stop turnovers. Ricky. They need to create turnovers. Oh. They need to get to Ricky. So they're going to be bringing it defensively. Uh, Mr. So, Cross, Mr. Campbell, Mr. Cross, Mr. Campbell. <laughs> yeah. I think the running game is going to play a, a big component, and that's to get to get that D line to slow down, right? To get the pressure off of Ricky. And if they can get the running game going, then they can they can pass. But if they come out and just try to pass, I don't like I don't like how that could pan out from a high points perspective. I think they'll still score. But if I think if they really want to score the points they want to, I think they need to establish that running game more for the offensive linemen to get you know so they but, can go hit somebody. But here's what I here's here's and this is what this is what I love about football because here's where the guessing game begins. I can imagine Hamilton wants to come out and be super aggressive, and the way to beat that is with draws and screens. Sure. So Hamilton, the way I'm thinking, is prepared to take away that element. If they do that, they've got to bring somebody else up. Mm-hmm. And that's going to leave the secondary vulnerable. Yeah. And it's just it's just giving Ricky that extra half second, that extra half or extra second to make sure that one of the guys he can he can make an, a, a primary read, get to a secondary guy if he has time. Yeah. Pick the better of the two and let it go. Well they're rolling the dice, right? So yeah. if that's the game plan are the Argos willing to risk Ricky holding the ball for a split second so that he can find that guy that will open up and throw the ball at the risk that he's might going to be hit mm-hmm. several times? There's, right? there's a question. So that's the big question, and it, yeah, it's, it's an awesome but I don't game, wanna, isn't it? I, but I don't want to. I don't want to see. I don't want to see screens and draws all day. And I, 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 I love those plays. Well, you've got to protect your quarterback. Yes, I understand right? that absolutely. And I, I know you have to call off the dogs, but man. I, that's that's what I'm thinking of first and foremost. It's yeah. like, okay, where's the pressure coming from? And secondarily, how are they taking away the screen? And if that means like, you know, guys are going to be jumping hitch screens and stuff like that. I mean, it's, you you think I would think that with nothing to lose, this is going to be the most aggressive um, defense that we've seen. This is going to be like Steinauer never left. Now, the big question mark about the defense is with the changes that have happened there. Are they going to be structurally sound? Because mm-hmm. if they're not structurally sound, then it's going to be. This is Hamilton's defense? Yes, this is Hamilton's defense. Right? They've had some changes. Mm -hmm. Right? And if they're not structurally sound on the back end, well, then that, you know, hey, that's a huge tick in the Argos' favor for sure. Mm -hmm. Right? And, uh, you know, maybe Ricky doesn't have to wait for the guy to open up late because there's dropped coverage and then, boom, he's going to deliver the ball. Mm -hmm. If anybody can find it, he'll find it. So that is an unknown because that could play a big role and that could be something that the Argos could take advantage of. Um, You know, flipping over to the other side of the ball, I think the Argos' defense is going to bring it. They've brought it every single week. And with the hype of this game, you know, and, and Masoli, and we know he can throw the ball. But um, I am expect for the first time in a long time there to be a little more balance, I think, in their offense. They mm-hmm. have a very good running back in C.J. Gable. Yes. And, uh, Who can't block where the dam. That's there, right. There, there have been some ISOs. Marshall Ferguson uh, has posted some of these on his uh, Twitter account. Yeah. Just the lookout blocks and not knowing where to go. Like, just lost back there at times. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that that you, tells me he doesn't understand the protection. But that's that's problematic against his group. Sure it is. Like, even if you're going to leave in your five and leave in the back to block, if he can't pick anybody up, you're still going to get to the quarterback with four guys. Could be a long day for Masoli. Oh, man. Yeah. Now. That's it. He can move around a little bit. He can move yes, around a can. lot. He's a big body. I mean, yeah. he's got all of that stuff going for him. Um, They're going to have to lean on that. Yeah. I'll take my, you know, if I'm the Argos, I'll take my chances with him. No yeah. disrespect to him at all, but would I rather see Masoli right now or, you know, I know Claros has been not Claros this year for whatever, probably a myriad of reasons, but uh, I, I'll take my chances with Jeremiah Masoli. Yeah, so do I. I mean, We've seen what Claros can do, and you know I don't know if he's been nagged by something or an injury or There's something off going this on, year. Right? I don't know what it is. There's something off. Yeah, yeah. It's tough to watch too because we know what he can do and what he's capable of, and he's such an electrifying quarterback when he's clicking. Yeah. Right. But yeah, no. It's uh, and 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 what, the reason I say it's tough is I like the guy. He's a, he's a good guy. Fantastic. He's, guy. A, he's a great. And guy. the league is better with him performing at the level he was Agreed. performing at two years ago. Agreed. I mean, he he was he was the best. Let's face it, he was the best player in the league before he got hurt two years ago. Yeah, he had my vote penned in for MOP, and then he got hurt, and it was okay. He didn't play enough, and Henry's been really good. 
to me, that's the only, and no disrespect to Hank, that's the only reason he won it that year. That was, that was Claris's, he had, he had right in his hands. Yeah. Then he got hurt against Edmonton. That was tough. You know, he's, yeah. he's a guy that you cheer for. He is a likable guy. Um, you saw him in the room. You know what kind of swagger he had as a kid. Hart was on the field, right? Absolutely. Hart was on the field. Award on, word on his sleeve. Fans love him, right? Not, no reason not to. No. So I, I hope whatever has happened this year, he gets over and comes back and plays exceptionally well. Because, I, like I say, like the guy and love watching him play. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> what, was the, uh, what was the most physical element of a football game you played in a Labor Day game? Whew. Well, was it 06 or 07 or 05 the fights? Whatever year that was. Mike Mike Bishop was here. <laughs> or all of the above. There were a couple where it got really kind of carried away. That was with Bishop, you know, Belly, Talbot. Uh, Bashar know, Livingston. Bashar. That was late. I think that was, that would have might have been 07 maybe. Yeah, when he chucked the helmet into the stands. Right when we walked out of the tunnel in Iverwind. Walked out of the locker room. He turned around. Someone said something. He fired his helmet up there. And we were kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you kidding me? You need that right now, buddy. It's like, Labor Day. <laughs> But, uh, you know, yeah, that that's the... I mean, I remember one time there was some chaos. All of a sudden, the refs blew the, blew the whistle, and we saw police running up the stands, and there were bodies literally flying down. And I was like, what is this? This is awesome. So, um, yeah, it's it's Labor Day. And record means nothing. Yeah. It's going to be a great football game. And by the way, we're not trying to scare fans away from going to the game. There are family-friendly zones there, sure. but... Um, if you are wearing Argo colors, and we hope you uh, hope you hope that you are, but uh, just just be careful because you you can never pick who you sit around, <laughs> right? Like you can go into a ballpark and the person next to you is the sweetest, nicest person wearing the tight cat colors. Thanks for coming to Hamilton. Yes, your season's going better than ours. Why is it working well? well tell me about this guy. Sure. Here's what's going on here. You have a great conversation. Share a couple of pops. Watch the game. And shake hands at the end and said, that was fun. Get some trash talking in during the game. That's the way to watch it. No, The it, guys that get too fired up are just, come on, light listen, up. Yeah, don't, don't get embar- me wrong. Don't embarrass yourself That's with right. Things. That's right. And don't get me wrong. Most of it is people having enjoying yes. the football game and cheering and, you know, a, a little bit of trash talking here and there. The guys where get carried away are the ones that come down from Toronto and have a few, couple bevies, yep. maybe one too many. And then you've Pump got some Ticat fans yeah. that are also having a couple bevies too many. You, you know and then the they're t- sitting beside each other. And then that's where the trash talking gets a little. You know bit the tailgate. Top. Tailgating is going to start early there. Oh, like they they tailgate really well, and you know it's going to be. I know some, starts on Sunday. Some hopefully. groups will be out at seven in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a long day, and uh, if you haven't been to one of these things and 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 can find a find a way to get in, um, and you know what, it's a bucket ha- list item. You got to go. What, 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 with what has happened in Hamilton over the last few days. There may be some extra uh, tickets available in secondary markets, right? Mm-hmm. Be a stub hub in places like that. Sure. Um, you might be able to find some stuff there that might be a little cheaper uh, than what you were used to. But uh, there's that game coming up, and then we've got uh, we've got the Edmonton game coming up on Saturday the 16th at 4 o'clock. So, prediction? You've been pretty good this year. Argos need a dub here. You know what? I was looking back at the, at the one-loss record. I mean, at the Labor Day Classics, since they started, the Argos are... What are we at? Uh, 15, 32, and 1. <laughs> Come on. Jeez. I'm I'm no math major. That's not good. Not good at all. Yeah. That's terrible. You know, and in the last four years, we did, there wasn't one in 2013, yeah. which was ridiculous. Yeah. But in the last four years, they've won one. And that was in 2012, 33 to 30. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. the, the rest of the yeah. games have all been lost. There was one, you know, 14. It was 13 to 12. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that one. Was remember that was brutal. That was the Swayze Waters punning show, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yes, we're, it we're was. talking about the one guy more than anything else was Swayze, because he was he drilled uh, like four punts inside the twenty. That and was like a snoozer. Couple at the one. Yeah, well, you're not going to get that this yeah. this time. And then there was you know Hamilton hammered the Argos in fifteen forty two to twelve, and then uh, yeah. last year was forty nine thirty six. It yeah. was a you know a light show, right? Lots of scoring. Um, I'm expecting it to be. Uh, I think it's going to be not as high scoring as many people think. Okay. Will it be close? uh, I think it will be relatively close. I want to say within, you know, maybe 10 points or so. So single digits. Yeah. Argos win? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the the MVP will be? Ricky Ray not included because that's kind of who you rely on. The MVP? Well, I hadn't thought about this one. Well, that's because I'm going to throw it at you. I want to put you on the spot. This is going to be, I'm going on the defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going on the defense. I'm going to say it's... uh, uh, let's go with one of the D linemen. 
Okay. Let's say Sean Lemon. He's going to come flying for this Labor Day Classic. Little lemonade for the Labor Day Classic. That's right. The Lemonade the Lemonator. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need T-shirts. He's Let's get like the copyright that. on that one. Uh, <laughs> thanks for doing this. This was fun as always. Again, uh, the game will be uh, in Hamilton. It's a 6.30 kickoff, 6 o'clock pregame on TSN 1050. Uh, Jacob Dearlove again not here. How do we do, Jacob? He's waving. That we guy still work? Right. Does he still work? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Labor Day and then the home game. Yeah. Sorry, yeah Jacob. We'll, just we'll give him some props. Uh, thanks to you for listening. We'll do it again next week. Uh, we got through the episode 11. We'll do the Dirty Dozen next week, getting ready for the Eskimos, where we will also look back at uh, what is hopefully a win for the Argonauts over the Ticats. Thanks again for listening to the Double Blue Podcast.